Good evening. You're listening to the Parliament of Rooks podcast, episode 34. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. And, oh yes, I can see it now. It's a, it's a helicopter. It's flying something behind it. I can't quite make it out. It's a large banner, and it says, uh, Happy Thanks Giving. What a sight, ladies and gentlemen. What a sight. The copter seems to be circling the parking area now. I guess it's looking for a place to land. No, something just came out of the back of the helicopter. It's uh, a dark object. Uh, perhaps a skydiver plumbing to, to the earth from only 2,000 feet in the air. There's no parachutes yet. Oh, my God, they're talking. spot report, class. <laughs> those of you who just tuned in, the Pinedale Shopping Mall has just been bombed with live turkey. Film at 11. Welcome back, everyone, to the Parliament of Rooks podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Lanise. And this is his wife, Melanie Lanise. Um, so I know last time, you know, as you know, there's so many episodes I start that way. You know, yeah. you, you know, last time I said we were going to do this, but now we're going to do this. Yeah. Um, well, there's another one. <laughs> so, so I know last time uh, we said we were going to launch into the um, uh, Spectre stuff in the Bronze Age. We were going to take a look at that, how it was like, you know, paralleling Boston brand and, you know, the two different dead guys, how they were being received, you know, artistically and, you know, and, and the writing style. But no. But no, <laughs> for a couple reasons that you know, um, but for everyone listening. Uh, number one, obviously, this is Thanksgiving week, you know, so Mel and I are sort of, you know, in the pie baking, you know, mode right Frenzy. now. Yeah, exactly. So we got a lot of, you know, work to do on that front. Uh, so we kind of wanted to keep this episode a little bit shorter. Um, but then secondarily, you know, as you might notice, you know, from, from my voice and, and certainly Melanie's, who's going to try to keep it a, a little bit, you know, um, less vocal this episode, um, you know, we're both sort of getting a bit of a cold, you know, so yeah. you're faced with, um, you know, doing the, the, the uh, you know, specter whisper, you know, no, I kind of wanted, yeah, to do, do as little bit of that as possible. Uh, so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to mix it up a little bit. There's actually a, a Thanksgiving-themed uh, JLA, JSA tale. Oh, cool. um, yeah, yeah, and it's actually a little bit more modern, so it'd be kind of cool for you to see something like that. Um, but then in preparation for reading that story, I do have a quick uh, little eight-page uh, Golden Age story that is sort of a background for it and is the specter, but like, you know, just very few little, you know, specter lines. So, you know, hopefully I'll, you know, preserve my voice through that. That's cool. We haven't done Golden Age in a while. I haven't done Golden Age in a while either. So yeah, that will be kind of neat. Um, but, uh, but all that being said, I, I thought, you know, before we do any of that, you know, given the, uh, the spirit of the season, you know, perhaps we sort of, you know, take a break from the comic book stuff and, and you know, kind of, uh, get a little bit more personal, you know, and say, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, <all right. laughs> Um, but just, you know, Thanksgiving and all, you just, you know, maybe like pause and look back. You know, we've been doing this show for almost a year and, uh, you know, a lot's actually happened in that time. So I was, uh, yeah. you know, hoping yeah. maybe we, uh, just got a little chat about, you know, things that we we're thankful for in, in this past year. 
That's a good idea. Um, I think if I had to reflect back on this past year, I would say that the most predominant thing for me would be um, how my career has changed. It's really, a, it's taken a different form. And I'm really thankful for everything that uh, that it took for, for that to change. You say you sort of like transitioned to be more like, you know, oncology focused as opposed to just, you know, general massage. Is that what you mean? No, not that. I mean, um, this past June, when I started to become, uh, I'd always had like a, a passing interest in hospice. But then this past June, it really, um, it became a lot more focused. And that came with a little bit of heartbreak because I lost a client that I was close with. Um, but, you know, now I'm at a point where I'm, I'm ready. And it's because of, of that experience, you know, like difficult as it was. I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, you know, because I think, I think it's important for people, if, if you can follow your heart and your career, by all means, do that. You know, like Absolutely. it becomes your life's work. Um, Another big thing that I um, that I did all year long that I'm extremely thankful for is yoga teacher training, because that is um, a process of self study to enable you to self transform yourself and like to you know focus on the things that that you like about yourself and then you when you find things that you really don't like about yourself, it gives you something to work on and yoga teacher training allows you to do that with yourself. And you become a little bit softer and then it, be, it enables you to become a better teacher so that you can help other people through that same process. That's wonderful. Yeah, I'm really excited to get started <laughs> with that. Um, dance, you know, hobbies, very important. I love my troupe. So girls, if you're listening, and I hope you are, um, I'm very thankful for you. And I guess that leads me up to, on a very personal note, that for you and family, you know, not just the family I grew up with, but I mean, like, the family that I have now. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you for being thankful for me. <laughs> um, on, uh, on my side, I guess, um, three big things, really, you know, um, you know, obviously family as well. But, uh, you know, I, too, had, had something, you know, sort of, you know, rather poignant happen to me, you know, this year as uh, actually, you know, as we mentioned on our episode 10, you know, uh, losing my good friend, uh, you know, Michael Lash. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I wanted to say, you know, uh, obviously, you know, I, I feel his loss, but I'm thankful, you know, for the time that I did have with him. You know, I'm, I'm thankful that I met a person, you know, as, as kind and, and giving and, you know, talented as he was. And, uh, you know, as I say, you know, thankful he was my friend. Um, <laughs> another friend that I'm thankful for and uh, folks, you know, regular listeners of this show, you know, will know the name is uh, our little dog Pippin. You know, uh -huh. yeah. he, he too, we, we didn't really get into, you know, all this or whatever. Um, but Pippin, you know, is uh, kind of an older dog and he had a bit of a health scare, you know, uh, you know, a little bit earlier, he actually, uh, he had cancer. Um, but we um, took him in, you know, had, uh, had surgery and, uh, you know, it took a little while for recovery or whatever, but now he behaves, I feel like, you know, younger than he has in years, you know, he kind of behaves like a puppy and the dog just turned 14 years old. Yeah. So I'm super thankful, you know, that I still have my, my little buddy. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and then, you know, playing off what you said, you know, with regard to family and so on and so forth, you know, I am actually really thankful and, and I, you know, I know this is in the context of this show, but I want you to know personally that I do mean this. I'm thankful that, you know, I finally launched a creative endeavor that I can share with you, you know, like, um, 
you have your dance and you have, you know, your yoga and all that. And I always have, you know, my writing and, and you know, my, my graphic design and all that. But this is really sort of a convergence, I think, of, you know, both of our talents. And, you know, looking back at this year, I am super thankful that, you know, finally you and I have a, a creative, artistic thing that we can share. Awesome. So, <laughs> so, so with that in mind, let's get to sharing it. <laughs> yeah, let's dig in. <laughs> so, uh, so the first thing I want to dig into, actually, is uh, a little bit of feedback. Um, you know, we're always soliciting folks to uh, to write us or whatever and um, you know not in any of our you know uh, direct forums or whatever you know this didn't come through an email or whatever this was actually on the uh, on the Legion World forum that I've mentioned a couple times you know where um, a lot of my comic book friends hang out is um, we did get a little feedback from our old friend uh, Nancy Gefkin oh yeah yeah she um, listened to a couple of our more recent episodes and she wanted to uh, compliment our, our the show that we did with uh, Vanessa um, who Nancy says she agrees that you know Vanessa yep. totally should do the uh, the Marvel Magic podcast, <laughs> which I agree, man. That you know Vanessa was super super like prepared for our show. Yeah, she was. So um, let's see. Nancy says that she only had a peripheral knowledge of Doctor Strange, um, but our discussion was good prep for seeing the movie, um, which I agree too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. She goes on to say that the uh, the background and historical info that we provide in these podcasts is excellent. Um, particularly the Sheldon Mayer history was fascinating. She says, you know, an artist losing his sight was tragic, mm. you know, even though it was eventually restored. And uh, on that front, you know, between you and I, I, I got to tell you, you know, it's like, it's of course it's fun to read the stories and whatever, but I personally feel that, you know, a lot of the historical context we provide is really what I'm enjoying the most as well. You know, I, I think it really sort of informs and fleshes out the stories that we read. You know, it's one yeah, thing to, you know, read does. a story about Superman or whatever, but to know what was going on behind the scenes or whatever, you know, it's like it's providing a whole new perspective for me. And for me as well, because I only know what you tell me. Yeah. So I mean if you were just telling me story after story after story, I wouldn't know how they evolved to be that way. Yeah. You know, and like I like especially like just to pick him out here, the Bob Haney stuff. Yeah. I, I'd be like, what happened with that guy? <laughs> yeah, like, but now too, I know. That's too funny. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and actually, Nancy did have a little bit of feedback about you specifically. She was about the Sugar and Spike oh. episode. Yeah, she wanted to know whether when you were doing the voice, if you tied your hair up into a ponytail. <laughs> it probably was. <laughs> it probably was, too. That's funny. So, so thank you for that, Nancy. And, uh, you know, if anyone else would like to provide feedback, as I say, you know, we absolutely encourage you to do so. You know, feel free to write us at, you know, tporpodcast at gmail.com or, you know, go ahead and leave a comment on any of our episodes on uh, our website, you know, uh, tporpodcast.com. Right. So with that in mind, uh, let's waste no further time. Let us get into tonight's stories. Uh, like I say, we are going to look at a more modern story, but... Um, you know, prior to that, I did want to provide you a little bit of background on um, the villain for that. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to flash back to the um, Golden Age, you know, introduction of this villain. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I say introduction, but honestly, the dude only has like maybe like two or three appearances. Like, you know, oh. there's this story that we're going to read tonight. There's the cameo in the, in the more modern story. And then I, I think maybe... In All Star Squadron, that being the um, the Roy Thomas sort of retro series from the '80s about the Golden Age, I think maybe has like two or three appearances in that, but really kind of obscure guy. Um, the uh, villain's name is uh, Kulak, and uh, you know he's one of those sort of like otherworldly, you know, mystic specter villains. Okay. Um, so uh, kind of ironic that I'm saying uh, flashback though, because the um, the issue that we're taking a look at tonight, um, I happen to have in reprint, um, but not 
you know, a traditional DC-issued reprint. This isn't from a trade paperback. This isn't from, uh, you know, an archive edition or whatever. It's actually from something called, and I, I know they don't make these anymore. I think this was a thing in the 70s. Um, there was a guy by the name of uh, Alan Light who produced a series of reprints of uh, Golden Age material, but um, independent of publisher. Like, so there are these sort of hard, not hardcover, they're sort of like, more like like heavier stock, uh-huh. uh, oversized magazine-sized, you know, reprints. And collectively, they are termed flashback. That was the name of Alan Light's company. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and like I say, you know, independent of publisher, you know, so the, and sort of random, too. Like, it's not like these are famous issues. They're just sort of like, you know, an issue of All-American Comics here and, like, an issue of Archie Comics or Captain Marvel. And, you know, and I think, you know, I have no basis. Yeah, I don't even know the background of this. I imagine what it is is dude just took his own collection and like copied it maybe you know like a, huh. like on, on a copy or whatever and then and then published it out like I, I would have a hard time imagining that he got the rights for this you know from DC or any of these companies or whatever and, <laughs> and given that they are so random you know I just like I don't know what they are um, but the interesting thing is that they're not color reprints they're black and white reprints okay so and now here's a little bit of interesting trivia about me so as a child, you know, I came across all these comic books from um, a dude who owned the house we lived in. He was a comic collector from the 50s and 60s. And, um, you know, he had all this Silver Age stuff, but all the Golden Age stuff he had was just, you know, these, these flashback magazines, which were in black and white. So as a child, I thought that Golden Age comics were black and white. Oh. Yeah, right? Did you color them? <laughs> no, I didn't color them. No, no. <laughs> but it sort of makes sense, though, right? Because if you think about, like, movies from that time, like, you know, like, Golden Age movies, you know, uh-huh. like, Humphrey Bogart or whatever, those are in black and white. You know, why, yeah. why, why wouldn't the comics be? Thought, yeah. So, you know, but, like, so for a long time, I, I labored under that misconception. It wasn't until, you know, I, you know, I was older and, and DC started reprinting some of this stuff, like, in their millennial editions or whatever. I'm like, oh, look at that. There is color. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, uh... Actually, though, you know, it's funny, not across the board were they in color. Like, I think when you and I looked at um, action comics, for instance, um, you know, the more popular features would be in full color, like Superman or like Zatara or whatever. Um, but then occasionally there would be ones that just had like spot color. There'd be things that are like black and white, but with like bits of red or whatever, you know. And then even beyond that, some actually were in black and white. Like I remember hmm. that uh, I think from action, there was like some cowboy feature or something that was oh, just okay. black and white. So we haven't covered any of that. Yeah, I think when we were flipping through action number one, we remarked upon it. But yeah, no, we wouldn't have read any of them. Okay. Um, but this story that we're looking tonight, um, like I say, is from uh, the reprint of All-Star Comics number two um, from fall 1940, The Curse of Kulak. Um it was initially in color, but tonight we're going to look at the, the black and white reprint. Okay. All right. So first things first, let's uh, take a look at the cover, um, which actually is in color. You know, the uh, and all these, uh, you know, flashback magazines have that, the sort of like, let's say, harder stock, you know, color cover, but then just, you know, black and white insides. And, um, and this is, as I say, All-Star Comics number two. And um, now All-Star Comics, you know, you and I have talked about will become the home to the uh, Justice Society of America. Right. It's the joint publication of um, National, which is the Harry Donenfeld Company, and then Max Gaines is All-American. This is basically the crossover thing. Um, but that doesn't start until issue number three. Um, the first two issues are actually just anthology titles, just standalone stories of each of these people. And you see on the bottom it says, you know, featuring brand new episodes of The Spectre, uh, Green Lantern, Flash, Hawkman, Johnny Thunder, Our Man, Sandman, and Red, White, and Blue, which is kind of like a military... Um, type uh, strip okay um, but yeah this is this would have been a pretty good magazine really you're getting like you know eight favorite features <laughs> yeah it's pretty neat um, and our cover is just a you know standard action shot and this is um, 
the artist Howard Purcell, who uh, I don't believe we've seen yet, but uh, when we get into some of that Johnny Peril stuff, I believe he's the Golden Age artist for Johnny Peril. I remember you're looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but we see, uh, you know, three heroes, you know, sort of leaping toward us. Um, Spectre looking like creepily, you know, jovial. I don't know, he's like all yeah. smiling or whatever. I don't like the smile on like on the dead guys. Yeah. And uh, there's a Green Lantern, you know, Golden Age Green Lantern, you know, sort of leaping over the cityscape. Uh, Flash the, looking a little serious there. Yeah, that's a pretty good illustration of Flash. He's uh, more mercurial than you usually see him. Like, he looks like kind of like, you know, the god Mercury, yeah, yeah. right? You know, he's sort of leaping out and he's got his, like, his arm up to his head, I guess, peering out into the distance. But then that sort of casts his eye into shadow. Pretty dramatic, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the Flash. Uh, so let's go ahead and, uh, you know, open this up um, to... Uh, I guess inside front cover, you know, uh, this is, you know, as I say, in this flashback edition is printed on, you know, that heavier stock, but normally this would just be the inside cover of, uh, you know, the magazine itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, eh, let's go ahead, let's, you know, we, since we're going a little bit shorter, let's go ahead and just read this. It's a letter from the editors uh, saying, Attention, All-Star Comics, uh, dear boys and girls. Uh, thanks for all the splendor reception you gave to the first issue of All-Star Comics Quarterly. Ooh, it was published quarterly as opposed to like monthly or bi-monthly. Uh-huh. Uh, it was practically a sellout, and we know you like this second issue even better. The 500 free copies of this issue of All-Star Comics have already been sent to those readers who were the first to send in their coupons from All-Star Comics number one, telling us what they wanted us to leave out of this issue and what they wanted us to substitute. And we want to thank those of you who took the time and trouble to write us. Hmm. It must have some little, like, little contest or whatever. Yeah. Uh, see, as the result of your suggestions, we've included in this issue the Green Lantern and Johnny Thunder. Who the heck wrote in to say run a Johnny Thunder story? <laughs> I guess he was popular. Yeah. And in our next issue, we're going to include Doctor Fate, uh, as those three features receive the most votes on the thousands of coupons sent in. Uh, now we're offering a thousand free copies of the next issue of All Star Comics number three, uh, so that you all may have another chance to get a free copy. Uh, we've received many requests to publish complete books of some of the features of Flash Comics, All-American Comics, More Fun, and Adventure Comics, uh, complete books like Superman and Bat- and oh, the, and the Batman. Uh-huh. Very cool. <laughs> uh, before <laughs> so- deciding uh, which will be our next complete book, we would like to hear from our readers. And in this issue, on the page opposite uh, the beginning of the Hour Man feature, you'll find a coupon in which you can list your first, second, and third choices, etc. for such a complete book. Uh, be sure to mail it in immediately. Very sincerely yours, the editors. And um, I would imagine that the character they must have selected probably would have been The Flash, um, who you and I have talked before already was appearing in Flash comics. So I believe he was the next guy they spun out into his own title, but they called it All Flash because Uh there was no backup features, basically. Uh It was just him. Um, but no, kind of interesting, though, that they're like, oh, tell us what features you want to see in the next issue of All-Star, because like we already said, next issue, there are no features. It's the JSA. Right. Yeah, so <laughs> it's kind of funny. And uh, so I see you sort of admiring the uh, the facing page there. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's good pencil work. Yeah, that's um, uh, Sheldon Moldoff, uh, not to be confused with Sheldon Mayer. He's a, an artist very much in the... Um, Alex Raymond uh, tradition, I guess, sort of like Flash Gordon, mm-hmm. and uh, indeed, I believe the the inspiration, you know, for Hawkman was initially uh, Flash Gordon. I think he went to like a, a land of like hawk people or whatever, and so they create Gardner Fox created a character sort of based on that. Um, but it's not Hawkman that we're looking at tonight; it's the uh, the Spectre. So let's uh, you know flip through a few pages here, past the uh, Green Lantern story. Uh, page 16 and the specter you know by jerry siegel where you remember the creator of superman mm-hmm. and bernard bailey mm-hmm. who you know we've seen in any uh, golden age tale that we've done of the specter 
Um, so our half-page splash, you know, the, uh, uh, I guess, traditional, you know, spectral form of the spectrum. That's a bit redundant, but you know what I'm saying, like, you know, like lurking over you or whatever. Um, as he is our, called the spectrum. I suppose is. you have to do that. <laughs> so. As uh, our narration reads that no one knows that Jim Corrigan, hard-fisted detective, is in reality the earthbound specter whose mission is to rid this world of crime. Uh, as we begin our story, you know, in the uh, police department. You sent for me, chief? Says Corrigan showing up. Yes, I just had a call from the Oriental Museum. Some trouble there. I want you to investigate. Uh, so later, when we see Jim reaching the museum, what seems to be the trouble? He asks the, uh, I guess, museum curator. An ancient inscription's been stolen. It would be of no worth to an ordinary criminal, but for historical and scientific reasons, it's of great value. Well, who'd want to steal such a thing? Says uh, Corrigan. Describe it. Uh, the inscription, says the curator, was a scroll of parchment recovered from a tomb so ancient that it must be a remnant of a lost civilization. Uh, no expert could decipher it. May I suggest we visit the guard at the hospital. Uh, so later, at the hospital, we see <laughs> the curator and Jim Corrigan have gone to visit this guard. Um, and the curator's saying, since the robbery, Benson's been like this. As we see Benson in the hospital bed, just sort of like twitching, repeating one word over and over. Kulak! Kulak! Cool out. <laughs> yeah, cool out. <laughs> he seems to be in some sort of daze, says Corrigan. Tell me, Benson, what happened the night of the robbery? Robbery? Says Benson, sort of coming around. That night? Oh, yes, I was keeping guard when... As we go into flashback, I noticed black smoke coming out of the crate. I moved toward it. What is it? Says Benson, a fire? Uh, but the smoke expanded, took the form of an evil, giant face. Oh, what in heaven's name? Who are you? As we see through the smoke, a sort of, like, you know, monstrous, three-eyed man saying, Kulak, high priest of Britzal. Wait, how do we say that? That sounds... Birdsal? B-R-Z-T-A-L. Brizzal, let's say. Oh, there you it, go. It's almost, like, suggestive of a Brazil, but let's say... It, yeah. You know, Brizzal. Can uh, we call him Triclops? <laughs> Triclops, sure. <laughs> um, so, then I lost consciousness, you know, recounts Benson. And when I came to, the parchment had vanished. I see, says Corrigan, thinking to himself, this is a job for the specter. Uh, so invisible to all in the hospital room, the specter rises from Jim's body, ascending into the clouds, where he materializes a vision of the parchment. And the specter looks at this parchment and says, it is an ancient curse. It says, I, Kulak, high priest of enchantment, will destroy any civilization that dares profane my tomb. And suddenly, the parchment fades into the face of Kulak. I warn you, Spectre, says the face of Kulak. Do not interfere. But surely you're not going to carry out your terrible curse. To the letter, says uh, Kulak, <laughs> you know, waving his fist at him. Not if I can help it, says Spectre, you know, dashing through the clouds toward him. But can you? demands Kulak. Uh, but apparently he can't, <laughs> because, uh, you know, as they collide, the Spectre's flung back by a barrage of power bolts. I can't move. Witness now the power of Kulak. Uh, well, meanwhile, in the hospital, <laughs> we see the uh, curator like going up to, to Corgan's body saying, uh, Cor Corgan, I'm addressing you. He doesn't reply, says the doctor. His mind seems to be wandering. Because <laughs> obviously he's sort yeah, of like in a trance, a... you know, without the specter. Uh, so as the gallant wraith is held immobile by the paralyzing bolts, Kulak departs with a final taunt. I shall strike swiftly at this puny civilization. My first weapon... The Whispering Death. Oh, that's a perfect weapon against the Spectre. <laughs> <laughs> so, animation returns to the Spectre as his foe disappears. Uh, quickly, he returns to Earth and merges with his figure. The Whispering Death, he says, merging back into Corrigan. What fiendish fate does Kulak intend inflicting on humanity? 
um, as uh, you know, Corgan, I guess, you know, shakes off his daze or whatever. You must be very absent-minded. You haven't answered my remarks, says the curator. Uh, you'll have to excuse me. I have to return to headquarters now. Uh, you'll hear from me later. Um, but uh, as he gets into his car, he's like, that's odd. It's noon, and yet it's suddenly grown dark. Hmm. The cause? A dark cloud has covered the sun. It's almost like night, say some pedestrians, you know, walking through the streets. What's that strange sound? Why, it's whispering, you know, says his uh, female companion. Uh, and this whispering grows louder until it becomes a maddening drone whispering, Hate! 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 How can it be a loud whisper? <laughs> this is my best <laughs> attempt there. How's your voice? It's, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so complete strangers suddenly begin picking quarrels uh, for trivial reasons. You got a spot in your tie. Oh, yeah? Well, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> this is a dude, like, starting to punch him. Yeah. So within moments, the streets become a shambles as mobs battle with blind hate. Wow. Uh, gone berserk. Autoists deliberately run down pedestrians. <laughs> You've had this coming for a long time. Look at that dude flying. Like, the car just like, <laughs> no, no, says another guy getting hit. Uh, parents spank their children. Uh, the curse of Cain rears its head as brother fights brother. As all across the city, we see people, like, duking it out. Uh, and everywhere it falls, the shadow of Kulak brings death. We see a sort of like, I guess, uh, metaphoric panel here as, you know, Kulak mm-hmm. is like standing atop the world. Uh, Kulak, says Corrigan, has made good his threat. So this is the whispering death. Hmm. Uh, so realizing this, you know, Jim swiftly reverts to the specter. I've got to save those people from themselves. This is the specter, you know, arising from Corrigan. Uh, and before the specter's gesture, you know, I guess as he passes his hand over the crowd, uh, they freeze into immobile statues as the gallant wraith recites a powerful incantation, uh, making the whispering subside. Argos nosi ranto, says the specter, you know, apparently, you know, casting his spell across the world. Uh, and only then does the specter permit the populace to move once again. Uh, the people are aghast at their actions. Oh, pardon me, I must have been mad, says a dude, you know, apologizing to the guy he punched. No, no, it was my fault. <laughs> you know, I mentioned the spot on your tie. <laughs> yes. um, Stop arguing before you start fighting again, says another guy. Listen, it sounds like a buzzing, says a woman, as abruptly uh, what we see is millions of locusts swarming down. Uh, humans are staggering about, blinded by that gigantic plague. Yikes. As, uh, yeah, the biblical sign. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, so to combat this new menace, the specter expands to tremendous heights, you know, pulling the old, you know, giant specter trick. Like he does. Yeah. <laughs> so ripping o- open a portion of space itself, uh, we see the specter drawing the locust vacuum-like into the depths of infinity, saying, And that attends to you. Uh, but suddenly, Kulak appears before the grim ghost. I've stood your interference long enough. You dare oppose me? Now you shall be destroyed. As the uh, specter looks aghast at his lower limbs. I'm disintegrating. You're suffering the worst fate imaginable. Complete, utter destruction of the soul. As we see uh, Kulak, you know, casting his evil spell, you know, from the ground up, making the specter fade away. Uh, So sensing defeat, the specter voices a prayer. Assistance, he says, you know, entreating the heavens. If ever I needed it, it's now. As if in answer, a ring materializes on the specter's finger. The ring of life, says the specter. Now, you and I talked a little bit about this. I don't think we actually read the story where it appears, but the ring of life is sort of a deus ex machina. Like the specter, infinitely powerful, but I guess to, you know, heighten the, the tension of the stories, sometimes he's not always. But then the ring of life, 
makes him infinitely powerful again. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like a power up. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's ridiculous. Um, so as the ring glows more and more, well, we see the Grim Ghost's strength flooding back. Take it away, says Kulak. I can't stand the sight of it. You know, recoiling against the Ring of Life. Uh, so unable to bear the blazing righteousness of the Ring of Life, uh, Kulak turns and flees up the dimensions with the specter in pursuit. Uh, so cornered, Kulak summons the long-dead legions of Britstal. Oh, Britstal must be uh, like a dimension or something, mm. you know. So, <laughs> but the dimension, you know, is represented, I guess, by a tiny little Saturn-like planet. We see the planet, you know, with, you know, a literal ring around it. Yes, as the demons... attached to the planet. <laughs> yeah, and the demons are like running around the ring toward the specter. Uh, so the specter's overwhelmed, and Kulak, you know, makes a sweeping gesture down to planet Earth, you know, <laughs> saying with his spell, Doom! 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 <laughs> <laughs> I guess that kind of rhymes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, in response to Kulak's bidding, the oceans of the earth overflow, threatening cities with destruction. As uh, you see, like tidal waves, you know, hitting a city, you know, with accompanying lightning bolts that are literally shattering the buildings. Uh, so, we see in the midst of a desert, you know, a crawling wreck of a human uh, begging for water, water, <laughs> but getting more than he wished for, as, you know, we see the uh, tidal wave, you know, encroaching across the desert. Uh, in the heart of a dark continent, savages in the midst of a ritual flee before a wave of destruction as they too, you know, are running away from, mm. you know, an encroaching wave. Uh, but aided by the ring, the specter wipes out Britzel's unholy legions, as we see him just in a big slugfest up there with demons and such. Now to attend to Kulak. But I've lost the ring. As he looks down at his hand, you know, ringless. Ah, but ringer, no. I've got to halt your fiendish work. Fool, says Kulak, now I can easily destroy you. You see, I am too powerful for you, and now to destroy you completely, as uh, he busts forth with a spell of his own, uh, Tawano, Pali, Tawali, uh, Kulak begins a powerful incantation, uh, but the specter summons up his last bit of energy. Now, I've got one last try. So slowly forcing himself erect, the specter jars Kulak, stopping the incantation. There! He says, you know, punching Kulak right in the face. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> the incantation broken, says our narration. Kulak is consumed by the evil forces he himself has created. Yeah! He says, consumed by these evil forces. Mm. <laughs> uh, so desperately, the specter races back down towards Earth. Back, oceans. Back, back. As uh, specter commands, once again, we see our desert victim bereft of water. <laughs> no, water, come back, come back, he shouts. <laughs> Uh, and the water having receded, you know, uh, we see the natives earlier, you know, resuming their ceremony. Um, and so as all, you know, comes back to normal, we see the specter resuming his identity as Jim Corrigan on Earth. Uh, the world's just survived one of the greatest disasters in all history, as Jim says. But I, for one, know that it could have been worse. The end. As our, uh, you know, newsreel guy kicks in. Further adventures of today's most unusual comic strip character, the specter, can be found in more fun comics. And future issues of All Star Comics, uh, signed by Bernard Bailey. Yeah. You know, perhaps Bernard Bailey's our, our newsreel reporter. <laughs> so, uh, so that, like I say, is uh, you know the Spectre story out of All Star Comics number two. We just the only reason we read this, like I say, is just to introduce the character of Kulak, yeah. who's going to have you know a bit part in the Thanksgiving tale I that assumed. we are, are going to read here in the um, in the modern version here of JSA. 
and uh, and I say modern and because um, I don't want to give you like tons and tons of background on this but uh, long story short you know how in the crossovers that, that we're reading or whatever you know the JSA is from Earth 2 and the JLA is from Earth 1 uh -huh. um, well so that big event that I mentioned I believe last episode the crisis on infinite earths mm -hmm. you know the big sort of you know global spanning time spanning thing or whatever the tail end of that you know what winds up happening the big conclusion is that all these earths are sort of merged into one okay and to the average man on the street or whatever it's always been that way like long story short okay the entire concept of the multiverse is wiped out and becomes a single earth so the JSA and the JLA live on the same earth now and always think that they have uh-huh. Okay. Got I mean, it. It's, yeah, it's not, you know, like, the reason they did it, just etiquette, you know, just for your edification, is they thought the average reader couldn't understand that, but look at you. Like, you got it right off the bat. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it's not that hard. Um, so they would, after that, they would kind of do nods to their previous continuity. Like, um, you know, they had previously these, you know, yearly team ups or whatever. And so, um, what we're going to see tonight is kind of like a nod to that. They, they would no longer have these, you know, yearly crossovers or whatever, but occasionally the two teams would get together and it would kind of be like a hearkening back to that, okay? Uh -huh. um, so that's, you know, thing number one why I refer to it like as modern JSA. The other thing is that it's also a very generational thing. Um, by this point, obviously, the story we're looking at tonight is from um, January of 2004. So you would imagine if the JSA, you know, served in World War II, a lot of them are really, really super old by this point. Yeah. So... And that's true. A lot of them have retired. Some of them have died. In fact, the only active members from World War II, I believe, in the story that we're going to look at tonight are the Golden Age Flash, the Golden Age Green Lantern, and Wildcat, who's like that boxer guy. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, but then everybody else sort of has, are like legacy heroes. They're either like the sons or daughters or like other okay. people who have taken on the identities. And so it could, maybe it'll be kind of neat for you because you'll see like, you know, uh, like inheritors, you know, of, of the uh, of the mantles of various heroes. Um, so, you know, without further ado, let's, you know, I guess first things first, we'll just go ahead and take a look at the cover. Um, this is uh, JSA number 54 um, from, uh, as I say, January 2004, um, but probably would have come out like probably November of, you know, 2003. So it'd be like, you know, Thanksgiving focused. Okay. And, uh, and this story is actually a follow-up to uh, an earlier story. Um, the previous year, they had had a crossover around Thanksgiving called Virtue and Vice, where, you know, it was actually a graphic novel. They published it as standalone. It was a big 96-pager or whatever, and they fought two big, you know, uh, powerful villains, uh, uh, Johnny Sorrow and Despero. Um, this is actually kind of a tongue-in-cheek follow-up to that, you know, the following year, called uh, Virtue, Vice, and Pumpkin Pie. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, so the cover is uh, penciled by an artist named uh, Carlos Pacheco uh, and inked by uh, Jesus Marino. I'm, I'm not really familiar with the, either of these artists, you know, just two modern guys. Uh, colors by uh, J.D. Mettler. Um, so let's go ahead and take a look at this. And I think once you see it, uh, it's going to look, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, eminently familiar to you. Okay. Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> Obviously. It's like Norman Rockwell, but like. With boobs. <laughs> With boobs. And, <laughs> yeah, so and what, superheroes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It's, it's a take on um, Norman Rockwell's painting, um, uh, Freedom from Want, which was the, uh, I guess, part of a series about, you know, um, you know, freedoms that we enjoy, you know, freedom from fear, freedom of speech, so on and so forth. But yeah, Freedom from Want, very famous, you know, uh, sort of um, 1950s scene of people, you know, serving Thanksgiving dinner. Um, and what they've done here is basically adapted that in a, a superheroic setting. You know, uh, with Superman, you know, obviously the uh, the head of the table, but uh, obviously behind Boobs McGee. But Boobs McGee, <laughs> yeah. This uh, 
It's, a, it's funny you should say that. So this woman, you know, who's actually holding the turkey, is a character named uh, Power Girl. And, um, and she goes back to, uh, you know, when it still was Earth 1, Earth 2. She was the Earth 2 Superman's cousin. So she's basically the Earth 2 version of, like, Supergirl. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but the boob thing, you know, and, uh, you know, everybody listening to this, you know, I'm sure knows Power Girl and, and her boobs. Because, like, that's a characteristic type thing. They're distracting. Um, they're distracting. So <laughs> Wally Wood, the initial artist who, who made her or whatever, you know, sort of made her chesty or whatever. Um, but then, as kind of a joke to himself... Each subsequent issue would make them a little bit bigger. No, a little bit bigger. And, oh my god! And, and to, to the point where, where he's like, you know, like when are the editors going to step in and do something here? Or yeah, because like they're they're larger than a normal person's butt. Yeah, they're almost <laughs> as big as her head. But uh, but then so now it's become sort of a thing. Like you know, obviously it was initially a joke, but now you know, Power Girl or whatever will make reference to that if people are like you know looking at her boobs or whatever. She's like you know, hey, face up here, that type of thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's very it's very like empowering thing. Like yes, Power Girl is a great character. She's uh, not somebody to be messed around with um so let's just go around the table here i think you probably know some of these folks right like who's uh who's dude in the lower left actually i don't know that one you don't know well i mean you're only seeing him just his mask but that's the um the golden age green lantern right you can maybe see his mask and like the tip of his cape oh um but you can see i was saying before a little older now like he looks yeah, like an old man lines. yeah oh and that's white hair I thought it was blonde, but I guess it's um, a lighting thing. Well, I, well, no, I think it's like lightning blonde hair. I think he's still blonde, but he's like he's getting older. Um, and, and sitting next to him, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, of course. Flash. Uh, right, that's the Flash behind her. So now, once again, generationally, so that Flash I'm imagining is probably Wally West. So you know, our Barry Allen guy uh-huh. is actually uh, spoiler is actually dead by this point. Oh. Yeah. So his uh, so Kid Flash eventually assumes the mantle, Flash. Uh, so you're going around counterclockwise, you talked about Power Girl, Oops. Superman. Yeah. Um, this little boy here, um, we've actually made mention on our show before of him. He's uh, he's actually Joachim Thunder. He is the um, the modern inheritor of Johnny Thunder's Thunderbolt. Oh, neat. Which, um, not super important to this story, but, you know, I'll just tell you because, it, you know, it, it might make some a line, like, um, not make sense. So Johnny Thunder, as he got older, um, began suffering from Alzheimer's disease. Right, which is kind of a sad little storyline, but um, as he's passing away on his deathbed, the thunderbolt merges with him. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a nice conclusion to his story. But now the thunderbolt is like a combination of the original Johnny Thunder and the mm. thunderbolt. Oh, okay. So it kind of you'll see it looks like Johnny Thunder. Um, this guy, you want to hazard a guess who that might be? Um, Green Lantern. It's a Green Lantern, right? But once again, the modern right. inheritor of Green. So Hal Jordan. I believe is dead also at this okay. point, and uh, and so this is a young man named Kyle Rayner, um, who's the new Green Lantern. Um, now that looks like Golden Age Flash. Golden Age Flash, right? You're not seeing the wings, but yeah, you see the oh, traditional but the gray hair, silver hair, yeah, silver helmet and silver hair as well, right? Um, this girl, I'm not even gonna have you guess it, whatever. I'll just tell you, she is Star Girl, which um, she's actually she's like a teenager. And she is the inheritor of Starman, who had the uh, the cosmic rod. She's the the current possessor of the rod, and then uh, and then this guy in the lower left corner is um, the modern inheritor of the Mister Terrific title. Like we'd seen Fair Play guy in a couple uh-huh. of the Golden Age uh, uh, JSA JLA crossover or Silver Age, I should say crossovers. Um, so this guy Michael Holt is the new Mister Terrific, and then you know in the center Adam. of the table, yeah, exactly, waiting for the turkey to come in is a little Adam, like you know, bring bring it here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's uh, go ahead and open this up, uh, pausing to uh, you know give the credit where credit is due. Department. Uh, this is written by a, a writer named Jeff Johns, 
who is uh, actually like super important these days. He is, um, I forget whether, you know, what his actual title is now with DC, but um, he heads up all the uh, the Hollywood um, divisions of DC. So like all the um, superhero TV shows like The Flash and like Legends of Tomorrow and all that. Okay. And then and then additionally, um, I think from this point onward, a lot of the movies coming out like Wonder Woman and, you know, the Justice League. Jeff Johns is like the creative director behind all that, hmm. you know, but he got to start, you know, with the uh, uh, JSA. Um, penciled by Don Kramer with inks by Keith Champagne. Again, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I, I have to confess, you know, I'm not that big of a fan of uh, uh, modern comics. Not that they're bad or anything. I just, you know, got out of the habit of buying them. So right. a lot of these names are new to me. Um, Colors by actually a production company called uh, Heroic Age. Um, but mm-hmm. I think specifically um, the colorist, uh, John Kaliz. Um, I know I do know that in modern comics, you see this more often than not is actually crediting the... Um, production company as opposed to the artist like I, uh, mm-hmm. I have a friend uh, Rhonda Patterson who's a uh, colorist um, but a lot of her books that she works on she's credited as uh, Snowcone which is the production company she works for oh yeah. okay so and then uh, letters by a fellow named uh, Jared K. Fletcher um, so we begin in Manhattan at the, uh, the headquarters of the Justice Society of America you know, see the JSA flag hanging outside and so we see two heroes walking down the hallway uh, Batman and uh, and Mr. Terrific, uh, Mr. Terrific. Just so you know, is uh, as a character credited, I believe, as like one of the uh, the fifth most intelligent person on Earth. <laughs> okay, uh, but but of which you know, Batman is also you know in that top five or whatever. So seeing these two walking together, it's like two really smart guys, basically. Okay. So so Batman's like in spandex. <laughs> in spandex, yeah, two really smart guys in spandex. Uh, so Batman's like, don't you think this is dangerous? Gathering together nearly every member of the Justice Society and Justice League, all under one roof. Do you want me to list how many times we've come under attack making social calls? Do you remember Despero, Johnny Sorrow? So, once again, hearkening back to the mm-hmm. virtue and vice. And, uh, you know, like, I'm trying to save my voice by not doing the Spectre. Yeah. But I cannot look at modern-day Batman without thinking, like, oh, I'm Batman, you know? So, <laughs> so you know, sorry, unfortunately, i got to do. Um, so, Mr. Terrific's like, yeah, I do remember that. And that's why I'm not worried. Superman, Dr. Fate, Wonder Woman... Our friends can handle anything that gets thrown at us. They're the best in the world. They're professionals, much like yourself. And that made the eeks a little smile out of Batman. Uh, These people deserve a break, says Mr. Terrific. I just don't want this Thanksgiving degenerating into an expected slugfest, Mr. Terrific. Aren't you being a tad bit paranoid? No. (laughs) Do yourself a favor, Batman. Today, try and think optimistically. Hmm. (laughs) What was that? Nothing. (laughs) Crumpus. <laughs> so they open the doors. This is terrific. It's like, dinner will be ready in an hour. And one more thing. What? Happy Thanksgiving. As they throw open the doors and we see, you know, all of our heroes there for the big turkey day. Um, let's just go around. You know, there's another little quiz for you. Obviously, to the far right. Dr. Fate. Dr. Fate. A um, little bit of background here. So, again, a modern inheritor of the Fate helmet. Now, ah. now I've told you before that Dr. Fate is the helmet, right? Uh-huh. So this is actually, you know, I guess in continuity, the fourth person we see to, I, I think maybe more than four, now that I'm thinking about it, because Kent Nelson was the original. Inza wears it for a while. Really? But yeah, there's a, uh, like a boy named Eric Strauss. Um, I think with his mother, maybe, Linda Strauss? There's a lot of them or whatever. We'll get into all this as time goes on or whatever. Um, but this dude here, I believe, is currently Hector Hall, who is the Golden Age Hawkman's son. 
has become Dr. Fate. Okay. And it kind of ties together a bunch of various Egyptian strands. Like Hawkman is reincarnated from an Egyptian prince and Dr. Fate's helmet comes from... So it's sort of like a merging of all these like, you know, mm-hmm. Egyptian things, you know, into in one uh, um, possessor of the of the helm. Um, coming through the window. Hawkman. Hawkman. And uh, big crazy continuity. Let's just say he's Hawkman. I'm not going to tell you okay. <laughs> all the background. Uh, this woman here is Hawk Girl. Oh, like, I would have gone with Mrs. Mrs. Hawk. Mrs. Hawkman. <laughs> no, and she Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Hawk, the Hawkmans, right? exactly. Um, but she uh, she's a younger uh, possessor, you know, of this title as well. Uh, this guy here, you probably don't know unless you've seen him from Flame Super on. Friends. <laughs> Flame on, <laughs> not the Human Torch. That's actually uh, Firestorm. Uh, younger hero. I think he's like a college age kid or whatever at this point. He looks like he's pretty hot headed. <laughs> hot headed. He's actually. It's kind of a neat concept. He's actually a merging of two people. There's a college student and a college professor that come together into a single being. Um, Power Girl. You've said from the, mm-hmm. the cover. Um, Star Girl. You see, mm-hmm. they've drawn her as like you know younger, a little teenager. Um, in the background, there's Jakeem Thunder uh, playing around with uh, this boy who is uh, is named Impulse. And he's a legacy character of the uh, sort of Flash family. He's actually Barry Allen's grandson, um, and, and let's say his name Impulse. And he's like uh, Golden Age Flash, who's standing next to him, is sort of his mentor. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you're you, I see hanging above right. You're right. Is T Bolt? You know, um, with uh, Jakeem Thunder. But you see how he's got a more like humanoid face and yeah. kind of a bow tie, because that's you know Johnny Thunder yeah. has has merged into him exactly. And then, let's see, uh, so Golden Age Flash is talking to... Uh, Martian Manhunter. Martian Manhunter. And then sitting at the... Catman. <laughs> sidle up to the bar, no, is Wildcat, right? Wildcat Boxer. And then we got some people in the back here, too. There's Black Canary uh-huh. walking in the background. And then, I don't know who's back there. They're is too it, small. I can't um, really see that. It might be the John Stewart version of Green Lantern. Um, but then, yeah, I'm not sure. The two tiny guys there. That kind of looks like another... John Jones, like another Martian Manhunter. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. And I'm guessing that the pictures on the walls are probably pictures of them. Well, no, these are like classic heroes, right? Actually, you can kind of see Zatara there, right? The top hat. And. Oh, oh and there's Ma Hunkle, the Red Tornado. She's got the soup pot on ah. her head. Um, so, yeah, so that is the beginning of uh, Virtue, Vice, and Pumpkin Pie. Uh, so, let's turn our page from our you know nice two page splash. Uh, to the conversations going on therein. And and there you see, yes, you're right, those portraits are some Golden Age guys. There's Golden Age Dr. Midnight, and actually the Golden Age Wonder Woman, who is our modern Wonder Woman's mother. Okay. And so Wonder Woman, who you've mentioned before, is like super tall, being an Amazon. They're actually drawing her nicely tall here, right? And muscular. And muscular. She's an Amazon, right? Exactly. Um, So this Amazon is saying, no, sisters, you misunderstand me. I'm not saying you shouldn't celebrate Thanksgiving. However, if you are going to give thanks, you need to do it without naive innocence. If you acknowledge what you're thankful for, you must also look at what the first people of this land had to suffer through in order to give you your freedom. Smallpox, syphilis, genocide. <laughs> nice, nice holiday chat wow. there, Wonder Woman. Yeah. Man, I thought the Hawk Girl was a downer, says uh, Firestorm. <laughs> Watch it, Max Matchstick, says Hawk Girl in the background. I would apologize if I were you, Firestorm, says Dr. Fate. She has a spear. <laughs> what? I was just... Uh, I didn't mean anything by it. Uh, you're not as bad as Hawkman. Uh, don't tell Hawkman I said that. Ah, <laughs> uh, Wonder Woman's full of crap, <laughs> says... <laughs> comes a voice. That princess comes from an island of spear-thorn Amazons. What do they know about Thanksgiving? 
uh, says uh, Wildcat, right? mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm voicing him like that because he a little bit like the uh, the actor uh, Dennis Farina, who um, I want to say, and I'm not like a hundred percent certain on this, but I'm pretty sure that that actor did the voice of Wildcat in Justice League Unlimited. But if not him, somebody with a very similar type thing. So we're just going to go like Chicago Palooka. Um, so he's saying, you know, that princess comes from an island of spear-thrown Amazons. What do they know about Thanksgiving? Oh, she kind of has a point, Wildcat, says Stargirl. I love America, but it's not all sugar and... Yeah, yeah, Stargirl. The point being, she can knock the stars and stripes, but she can't look at her home with open eyes. Land of man-haters. Your mother was never causing the fuss you were. He says, you know, pointing his finger in Wonder Woman. Probably a dangerous thing to do. Mm. If she were around, Apollo would smack you upside the head for being so rude. Me, says Wonder Woman. You know nothing about the Amazons. Or tact, for that matter, says uh, Power Girl in the back. Come here. She says, grabbing him. Paws off, Power Chick. Why don't you find another corner of the room to play in, she says, tossing him out the window. <laughs> Wildcat, says Star Girl. Uh, don't worry, Star, says Power Girl. Ted always lands on his feet, <laughs> dusting the uh, the dust from her palms. As, uh, as we turn the page and see uh, Wildcat not landing on his feet, but rather being scooped up. By a pair of, uh, you know, super heroic dudes. You know, probably the most super heroic, right? We got Superman and uh, and Captain Marvel. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know who that was. So, Soups, says uh, you know, Wildcat getting grabbed. And it's not every day you save a cat falling out of the tree. Actually, says Superman, every other day. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what you got there, Marvel? Says uh, Wildcat spin around to Captain Marvel. Uh, mincemeat pie. My sister made it. Mary Marvel? She can cook? She got a boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> yeah, says uh, Captain Marvel. And it's... Uh, it's really serious. She's going out <laughs> with uh, uh, Loose Cannon. <laughs> He's just picking a random yeah. hero. Uh, loose Cannon? Who, who the hell's that? <laughs> this is Wildcat. Uh, we cut inside. We see uh, young Bart Allen Impulse. When are we going to eat? He says. Just relax, Bart, says the Golden Age Flash. There's a lot of people here you don't know. Try to be social. Oh, I can run out to KFC real quick. They're open. Slow down or I'm stealing your speed. Of the... At this point, all the flashes are powered by something called the Speed Force, kind of a mystic you know, type thing, so I guess they can rob speed from each other. Huh. Um, oh, leave Impulse alone, Flash, says, uh, you know, the combination T-Bolt Johnny Thunder. Hey, kid, says Impulse, well, what's your name again? Uh, Joachim Thunder, says Joachim Thunder. Uh, and this is my genie and pal Johnny. We live in Keystone, too. Uh, what school do you go to, says Bart? Uh, south, you? North, totally blows. Bart, <laughs> says uh, Golden Age Flash spinning around. Uh, I mean, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, school effing sucks. <laughs> says, <laughs> says Jaquim. Jaquim, says Flash. <laughs> uh, so we cut down. We see Superman. Oh, Batman. Good to see you make it. <clears throat> says Batman with a corner. Batman, jeez. Yeah. Hey, Superman, says Power Girl. Oh, heard about your run-in with the Crimson Avenger, says Superman to Power Girl. Are you okay? Uh, I'm a little weak, but I'm good. Look, this is all very nice, says Batman, but shouldn't somebody be on monitor duty? Already covered, says Mr. Terrific. Let's turn our page and see who gets monitor duty in today of all days. It's, uh, oh, it's Dr. Midnight, the um, the current one. And like I say, so the original guy was a fellow named uh, Charles McKnighter. Um, and then I believe he's the this guy here is the third guy to be Dr. Midnight. There was a, a woman for a time, African-American woman in the 80s. And then this guy is a, a doctor named uh, Peter Cross, I believe is his name. Or Peter Cross, I believe. Um so he's there, uh, you know, monitor duty, really intent, as somebody comes around the corner. Uh, Dr. Midnight? Pieter, are you in here? It's uh, Black Canary. Uh, you can turn the lights on if you need them, Black Canary. No, dark works for me, she says. Uh, Alan said you volunteered for monitor watch. Yes, I did. He said you told him you wanted to avoid me. 
I also politely asked Ellen not to repeat that. They must have a little romantic mm-hmm. thing going on or something. Um, you know Ellen better than that, says Black Canary, don't you? He just wants us to talk. I want to clear the air here. I, I didn't know things between us were still... There's nothing between us anymore, interrupts Dr. Midnight. But there never really was. So I never meant that much to you then? Oh, it's so soap operatic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean it that way, says Black Canary. I just... Oh, God, I hate this. Some of it's my fault, all right? I give off that vibe or something. People get attached to me too quickly. And she's under her breath. Maybe it's the fishnets. Satana always says it's the fishnets. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he turns around. He's like... Um, he's a medical doctor. He's like... Um, anthrop... How do you pronounce that? Anth- I can't quite Anthroscopy? Yeah. Anthroscopy, anthroscopy. triple by- bypass... I can heal the human body with my eyes closed, but relationships, I'm not very good at fixing those. Who is? Says Black Canary. They pause in a frozen moment of silence. Awkward. <laughs> and turn away. Uh, excuse me, says a voice, you know, interrupting their uh, interlude. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, should, I guess turning the page, I should redo that voice. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, oh, Batman, what is it? Just checking in. Arkham, Iron Heights, the slab still locked down tight. No anomalies in time or excessive activity on Earth, too. Everything's fine, Batman, says uh, Dr. Midnight. Everything's fine. Bombo <laughs> is soap opera as he's turned because everything's not fine, obviously, between yeah. you know, him and the uh, Black Canary. Uh, so we cut to the kitchen and we see uh, a new hero. So just uh, a little bit of background. This is the new Hour Man. This is actually... Good thing they kept him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, this is Rex... TikTok Tyler's son, actually, Rick Tyler, um, suffers the same problems as his dad, actually, a sort of dependence on the Miraclo, mm. you know, so um, so we see him in the kitchen, uh, surrounded by two old ladies, um, or two elderly ladies, I should say, yep. um, one of whom is uh, Joan Garrick, that's uh, the Flash, Golden Age Flash's wife, and then they're, they're referring to this woman as the Golden Age Green Lantern's wife, but I'm not sure who that is, maybe Molly Maine, the, the Harlequin, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, he's like, oh, stand back, girls, this could get messy. Dad used to make the mashed potatoes every Thanksgiving. Trick was a little sour cream, butter, and a dash of red pepper. Ooh, that sounds good. That does sound good. <laughs> uh, I had no idea you could cook, Rick, says uh, Green Lantern's wife. My few short years at Yale, Mrs. Scott, says Rick. Good football team and chemistry classes, uh, but bad food. <laughs> <laughs> Studied mom's recipes backwards and forward. Uh, as we see two other g- girls coming in. Uh, anyone see Firestorm? We're out of salt. Um, these women... You've not met either of them, actually. This woman is a Golden Age um, female character named uh, Liberty Bell. She gets a energy rush every time the Liberty Bell is rung. Oh, nice. Yeah, it is kind of. she's kind of a patriotic hero in the sort of Captain America school. Uh-huh. I think she made an appearance on The Tick. The Tick? Yeah. No, 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 I doubt it. it bit... Oh, probably a takeoff of her. Yeah. Liberty Bell. Huh? I think it was Liberty Bell. This is Liberty Bell. Is there a Tick character also named Liberty Bell? That'd be funny. Like, I think there is. Yeah, okay. Um, and this girl here, you know, this younger girl, is her daughter, um, Jessie Chambers is her name. So Liberty Bell and an, an old Golden Age speedster named Johnny Quick, I guess, got married or whatever. And this is their daughter, uh, Jessie. And, and I think at this point she's the hero, Jessie Quick. Right. So anyway. <laughs> uh, anyone see Sign of Firestorm? We're out of salt. Uh, what are you and Jesse cooking up? Johnny Quick's old cornbread recipe, Joan. I'm teaching my daughter how it's done. Right? They're just getting cooking? <laughs> like, aren't they yeah. getting ready for dinner? <laughs> so It's good to see you two talking again, says Rick. Um, could I show you a thing or two in the kitchen? 
uh, Jesse, you know, whispers Liberty Bell that he was trying to come a superhero and he cooks. Mom, says Jesse, all <laughs> like embarrassed. Um, as uh, Joan Garrick turns around and says, Libby, you must tell me how you stay so young. What's your secret? Health, food, and exercise? Oh, heavens no, says Liberty Bell. Super strength. <laughs> Nothing fights wrinkles like it. <laughs> ah, Liberty Bell still has it, says Joan. Uh, Johnny used to say, don't slow down for long enough for old age to catch up with you. As, uh, we see them sort of fade into the back shot as we see a hand going for a drumstick. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's Hawkman. Um, but we still hear their voices. Uh, Jesse, honey, why don't you invite Rick over for Sunday dinner? I bet you could make some wonderful meals together. Mother! As uh, we see Hawkman, you know, giving a, a little whisper sign to Adam, like, oh, don't tell anybody I'm stealing the drumstick. Um, but he doesn't steal the drumstick because off panel we hear a flip thunk as the drumstick is like pulled out of his hand by an arrow. And who's at the door? Green Arrow. Green Arrow, exactly. Out of costume, no less. Uh, but you, know, you can still notice him from his stupid beard. Yep. <laughs> so, Don't make me spoil your appetite, says uh, Green Arrow. And can I ask, why the hell's everybody wearing their costumes? <laughs> it's Thanksgiving, for Christ's sakes. Boy, they're really using the language in this. Yeah. A little too much, I think. Um, busted Big Bird. Uh, you want to see Busted Queen, says Hawkman? Wait until I get a hold of your skull. Hold on, Carter, says uh, you know Adam running up his arm. Uh, let's just go set the table like we're supposed to. Lay out the forks and... This throwback doesn't know what a fork is, Adam. This uh, green arrow. Eats with his hands. You'll be eating with a straw when I'm... <laughs> still really got it. Um, and I think this is probably a subtle continuity nod to um, JLA of the 70s. Um, as uh, Justice League gets more into um, political type stuff, they use Green uh, Arrow and Hawkman as sort of like political counterpoints to each other. Green uh, Lantern, or not Green Lantern, Green Arrow, you know, fresh off the hard-traveling heroes run there, mm-hmm. becomes a very sort of, like, liberal-type guy. And then they use Hawkman, you know, as an alien lawman or whatever, to be very sort of conservative. conservative. Yeah, so historically these two have always kind of butted heads. Um, <laughs> but today, apparently, you know, Batman's not letting anybody butt heads as he grabs, you know, Green Arrow by the, by the scarf of his coat. Hey, hands off, Bats! Cool it, Queen, says Batman. Where's Our Man? And he spins around, you know, there's Our Man. Oh, what is it? What's wrong? Your prophetic vision is better than any monitor. Can you look into the future and see what we... But, uh, you know, our man interrupts him. My flash forwards are involuntary, Batman. They, they just happen. I can't control them. Actually, I didn't even know that our man had that power. Yeah. Um, but uh, so we see a crew running in, uh, Martian Manhunter and, you know, Mr. Terrific. Is there an emergency, Batman? Says Martian Manhunter. Your, your thoughts are erratic. It's nothing, says Mr. Terrific. Martian Manhunter, everyone relax. As uh, Joan Garrick, you know, he brings everybody back down to Earth saying, I don't mean to disturb the disturbance, but dinner's ready. As, uh, I guess that calms everybody down. We see the whole crew, you know, walking toward the dining room. Um, but Batman, you know, giving a knowing look to Mr. Terrific. Mm-hmm. All right. So we come into the main dining hall, very sort of, you know, ornately, you know, decked out. And uh, we, see some, we see some characters far in the background, I can't tell, but just, I guess, going left to right. Um, you know, we see big Alan Scott, the Golden Age Green Lantern, um, Jay Garrick, the Golden Age Flash, Hawkman, Dr. Fate. Um, there's our Earth's Green Lantern, um, Captain Marvel, Stargirl, and then over at the kids' table, <laughs> we see, uh, <laughs> Jaquim and, uh, you know, uh, and Bart. Uh, no way, says Stargirl. A kids' table? They put me at the kids' table? They can't put me at the kids' table. They did, says Captain Marvel. I'm a junior in high school, I'm not... Wait a minute, she says, turn around to Captain Marvel, you should be sitting at the kids' table. Ixnay on the IBK, says Captain Marvel. So do you know Captain Marvel's deal? No. So Captain Marvel is Billy Batson. He's just a young kid, but he says the magic word Shazam, 
and turns into Captain Marvel. Hmm. So he's actually younger than Stargirl. <laughs> so, hey, Stargirl, says a voice from off panel. Grab a seat. Now it's Bart, the impulse. Um, Bart, check this out, says Jaquim. I can eat mashed potatoes through my nose. That's so cool. <laughs> and wait till you no, see what the Thunderbolt not. can do with the corn on the cob. As uh, Courtney Stargirl's just like, oh, you know, face yeah. palming. <laughs> As, uh, so we cut, I guess, to, you know, later on in the meal, you know, there is the Golden Age Flash, you know, making a toast. You know, thank you all for coming and carrying on this great tradition uh, to the greatest heroes in the world. Here, here, as everybody's, you know, raising a glass. Uh, Martian Manhunter's all smiling, you know. <laughs> and uh, in the background, we see some, you know, portraits of, like, you know, days gone by. There's our original Dr. Fate, uh-huh. Kent Nelson. And Talkface. <laughs> right, the Golden Age Sandman with his uh, his young partner, Sandy. We haven't met him, but, you know, whatever. It's like almost like... Sandy. It's like Batman and Robin and Sandman and Sandy, whatever. And then in the background behind the Golden Age Flash, we see the cover, you know, speaking of All-Star Comics, cover of All-Star Comics number three, right, where they're all sitting around that table. There's, remember, the Golden Age Adam. There's actually Spectre peeking uh-huh. over his shoulder, right? Uh, Dr. Fate. Mr. Uh, Hawkman. <laughs> Hawkman. And... Uh, you know, Golden Age Green Lantern and, and Dr. Fate. Uh, so we start going around the table. Uh, we see, once again, this is um, Hal Jordan's replacement, uh, John Stewart, um, you know, for Green Lantern. And he's having a conversation with this guy here is, um, what's his name? I think Todd Rice. He's actually, he is Golden Age Green Lantern's son, but I think for a time they were estranged, so he is like a different guy's name. And um, and the, oh, and just real quick, I'll, before we get into the word balloons or whatever, these two people are actually Green Lantern's children. This is his son Todd and his daughter Jenny, and each of them have sort of an element of Green, Golden Age Green Lantern's power. So she has like almost the good side, so you see that's why she's green, and he has the dark side, so he'll turn black like a shadow. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, our is she green all the time? She's green all the time. Yeah, and then I think when she uses her power, she actually turns like almost. Green flamey, maybe? I, I'm having a hard time remembering, but uh-huh. it's been years since I read that stuff. Um, so uh, so our Green Lantern saying, you know, how's that going, Todd? Uh, slowly, says Todd, but surely. Dead, dead Molly visit every night. Uh, the DEO says I should get a clean bill of health in the next two weeks. Uh, but just the guilt of what I did, what I what I put my father through as Obsidian. That's his superhero name, Obsidian. Okay. Um, it's not easy getting over guilt, says Green Lantern. I've had plenty of experience with the mistakes myself. Uh, but trust me when I say it is possible. You can be happy with yourself again. And then we see Jenny. You know, Jade is her superhero name, talking to her dad. Um, so, Dad, what's the ring mean? Uh, it's just a symbol, says, uh, you know, Alan. Uh, the Starheart wanted to come back to me when Mordrew stole it. <laughs> Not Mordo. <laughs> right. uh, I'm linked to the Starheart. It's a part of me. Um, Dr. Midnight theorized that my subconscious willpower shaped it into the ring when it returned. I like to see myself as human as possible, I suppose. It's, you know what? There's a whole bunch of background behind this. I think at this point, he has transformed into the Green Lantern energy, and it's just it's way too confusing. Let's just say they're having a family chat. <laughs> so then we cut around the table to, you know, Mr. Terrific and Batman. As, uh, he's offering him a bowl of mashed potatoes. Uh, Batman, do you... I'm not hungry, says Batman. <laughs> now, can't you let your guard down just for a minute? Can't you... Um, but as he says that, you know, suddenly we hear a vzack. And these strange, like, sort of blue and red blobby things just appearing, you know, in the middle of the table. So let's turn our page and see what it is. Yeah. As, uh, with a boom, you know, suddenly there's a huge explosion in the dining room. As uh, standing before us is uh dude we just met, right? Uh-huh. Kulak. And uh, do you remember this guy? 
He kind of, he looks a little... So this, when we were doing the Zatanna story, and she was going like to all the different dimensions or whatever, you know, looking for her dad, this was from the, uh, when she hooked up with uh, Green Lantern, and they went to the different, this is the, the Warlock of Ease. Ah, okay. Right, and they, they left him sort of like, you know, frozen there for yeah. all eternity. Um, so or not. Uh, apparently, <laughs> yeah, these two must have teamed up. As uh, Kulak saying, At last, I will have my revenge upon the Justice Society. You thought Kulak the Sorcerer forever imprisoned. Uh, but with the help of the Warlock of Ease, I have escaped, and this world will be ours. Together, says the Warlock, we will crush the Justice League, my sworn enemies. The Earth will tremble before us, and you will... <laughs> it's like everybody's just like frozen, just staring at them covered in food. <laughs> I guess the explosion is knocked like the bowl of gravy on top of Power Girl's head. And like, you know, Captain Marvel's like, Ugh. <laughs> um, as the, our villains are like, I guess, looking at this, you know, entire room full of heroes going, uh, one, two, three, four. <laughs> There's quite a few more than we thought, aren't there? Says the warlock. Uh, maybe we should excuse ourselves, says Kulak. Yeah, do that. <laughs> they, they were sitting down to eat. Um, but, uh, you know, they're not having it. They'll, they'll as, probably just go back to yeah. their dinner. <laughs> Green Lantern's like, uh, Superman, after you, says Superman, cracking his knuckles. As, uh, we turn the page, and yes, and the entire, you know, cadre of heroes are converging on them. And it's uh, kind of a nice shot, I guess, you know, if you want to draw a bunch of heroes and whatever. But uh, also kind of a little awkward. Like, what are they going to do? Just, like, tackle them to yeah, the floor? Yeah, especially the ones that are three deep. Yeah, yeah. So, so we cut away from this scene, I guess, you know, they must have defeated them, and we go 33 minutes later, and there's two, two dudes outside. Uh, you sure this is it? Uh, 700 Broadway, this guy, uh, 20 large meat lovers and one vegetarian. Because <laughs> 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 they open the door, and like, how much do we owe you? <laughs> uh, 210, keep the change. This is Batman giving him money. $210 for 21 pizzas? 10 bucks a pizza? Maybe in New York. Sure. Maybe in New York you can get it cheap or whatever. Especially on Thanksgiving, maybe they have a deal. <laughs> so, hey, you want your free breadsticks? <laughs> this is the guy shouting out. <laughs> but Batman slams the door in their and face. And Batman doesn't want them. <laughs> um, so we end our tale as, you know, Batman and Mr. Terrific carrying on these 21 pies to the dining room. Hold on, I just want to point out Mr. Terrific is being very terrific here by carrying extra pies. You're carrying extra pies, that's right. So, all right, says Mr. Terrific, go ahead and say it. I know you're dying to say it. And Batman smirks. Told you so. <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs> so, so yeah, kind of a cute little story, but uh, kind of involved. Like, if yeah. you're going to tell this story, just tell the cute little story without all the. And this is why I say, you know, modern comics or whatever, I'm not such a fan of. I'm not such a fan of them because they. There's a term that's used, you know, in referring to modern storytelling called decompression. That's like they don't tell a story in an issue. And what's more is they don't tell a story even in an arc. Even if you're like, okay, these six issues are telling them. They tell like interwoven, almost soap operatic stories. Where uh, like there's an A plot, a B plot, a C plot. And they all take forever in a day. So unless you're following it regularly, you're like, like for instance, the thing with like, you know, uh, Black Canary and Dr. Midnight. Okay, I guess they're dating. Or like the stuff with like, you know, Green Lantern's son being bad. Well, I guess there must have been this thing or whatever. You need to know so much to like just tackle what should be, you yeah. know, a funny little story. Um, so, but that in mind, you know, that's, you know, my opinion or whatever, but I, I'll go ahead and, uh, turn it over to you. Like I say, we kind of want to keep our show short tonight. Um, so do you want to hop right into our judgments? Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. So before we talk about, you know, uh, Virtue Vice and, you know, uh, Pumpkin Pie, let's, uh, go to the first one. Um, not titled originally, but convenience titled The, the Curse of Kulak. Uh, what do you think about our, our eight page, you know, Golden Age Spectre story? 
Good for background. Excellent artwork. I really like that. You like Bernard Bailey? Yeah. Um, it was like involved and uh, I, I, I actually prefer it over the artwork that I'm seeing in the more modern comic book. Yeah. Was it kind of neat to see it in black and white? Yeah, yeah, I like that too, and it, I I didn't miss the color at all. Yeah, like those, like I said, those golden age stories, you know, always kind of have that like hard boiled, you know, noir feel about them anyway. And yeah, so, yeah, so that's, that's how I describe the golden age to my friends when we get started talking about the podcast. You're talking with your friends about the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. So, but but you sort of see though how like as a kid I would see these and not think anything was wrong when they'd be in black and white. I'm like, oh, of course they are. You know, it's just like you know watching you know. Uh, Cary Grant or something, right? Right. You know? Yeah, so I could see how, like, you know, you... It didn't even occur to you that there may have, may have been color. Yeah. So uh, so that particular story, yeah, any, Good. any notes? Yeah. Does a bird live or die? It lives. It lives? Okay. It's strange on Thanksgiving to let a bird live, but okay. <laughs> that bird is pardoned. <laughs> so, but what about our, uh, you know, our modern bird, you know, in the form of, um, you know, JSA number 54, Virtue, Vice, and Pumpkin Pie? This bird is not pardoned, yeah. and it's it's exactly for the reason that, that you mentioned. It's too involved, and I, I thought it was like just me because I really I only know what you've told me. But like for every single panel, you had to like give me a background story and background story and background story, and I was like, that's a little much. Yeah, well, I mean, now some of it may be just because it was a wealth of new characters that you haven't met before. I mean, you know, so certainly when we first started doing yeah. Justice League tales, I had to do that to a certain extent. Um, but I think I yeah I know what you're saying like I mean even for me like I remember buying this issue you know from the uh, from the comic shop which is kind of oh my god like I think about it like I remember it like it was just like a couple months ago or whatever but this is a story from like 2003 I mean that's like 13 years ago you know <laughs> like I remember walking to the comic shop and buying this you know so but but even so what I'm saying is like my memories of the background information is hazy at this point or whatever. Mm -hmm. sit down and read this as a standalone I just it doesn't work anymore you know no not really um you know what it actually reminded me of what's that is um listening to comedians like modern comedians they they make references as opposed to like telling like like telling a story as opposed to yeah you know I do know what you're so like one of the things that like I know that people are a fan of but I just can never get into it or things like like Family Guy or something like that right where, yeah. where it's just like there's not jokes there's just references like haha did you hear that thing I just said about that thing you know right and therefore it's funny because you know the thing you know the thing so are you basically saying that Jeff Johns the comic book writer is basically the Dane Cook of the comic book world <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe I am I'm not a fan of Dane Cook so I could uh, be but uh, but that being said how about uh, some of the elements of it um, did, you, did you think the humor worked you know? Sometimes. They, I thought they were a little uh, rough with each other. I mean, like, they're supposed to be a team, and they, I felt that they were being aggressive. And with the exception of Batman, I thought it was unwarranted. Yeah. Well, when they, like, toss Wildcat out the window or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. really? Yeah. Well, Power, Power Girl and Wildcat always kind of, like, butt heads or whatever. It's sort of, like, sparring. And I guess if you have superpowers, you can spar a little bit rougher. <laughs> I, I suppose, you yeah. know, like, you know, they, they play harder than we do. But it just seemed over the top. Yeah, you know what I didn't like is I didn't like the the language, like you know, like the for Christ's sakes, yeah. and, and like you know, like and you know, uh, Jakim saying f and whatever. It's just like you know, I like I understand that you know, comic readers are a little bit older audience or whatever. But I mean, I'm older, and it's it's stuck out to me like a sore thumb. Like it seems gratuitous, you know. Yeah, like they were trying to draw people in by the use of. You know, bad language. Yeah. So uh, so so appropriately, I think then for Thanksgiving, this bird. 
Dies. Dies. Okay, let's let's dig into it. (laughs) So, all right. Uh, With that in mind, like I say, you know, short and sweet, uh, we will head back to our, you know, pie making. We got got a a chocolate and apple and... Dark uh, chocolate. Dark chocolate. Nice. So, and uh, and I hope all of you, you know, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Um, You know, if you enjoyed this episode or any like it, you know, as we said at the forefront, feel free to reach out to us and let us know. And you can do that at our email address, which is podcast at gmail.com. Correct. And, uh, and then you can also leave comments on uh, this episode or any like it at our website, which is podcast.com. Dot com. And let's see, you can join our Facebook page, you know, where, um, you know, we post some images and like, you know, video occasionally. And uh, let's, I'm going to test you here. What's, what's that? Facebook slash groups slash tpor podcast <laughs> no no it's <laughs> facebook.com backslash tpor podcast uh so you can follow us on twitter at tpor podcast at tpor podcast and you can subscribe to us on itunes and and google play and google play and stitcher radio uh-huh and stitcher too <laughs> or any podcatcher of your choice one of which would also be podcastopedia podcastopedia <laughs> yes so in short order there are a wealth of venues <laughs> by, by which you that can find I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, tpr podcast so happy thanksgiving everybody thanks for joining us uh, we hope you had a good time and we hope to see you here next time on the parliament of rooks podcast happy thanksgiving